Yeah, it's going to be an interesting day today. We're going to be talking about money. In fact, we're going to be talking specifically about financial etiquette, the do's and don'ts of tipping, splitting checks, picking up the tab, making donations, asking for donations, having those sometimes awkward conversations about money with people in your inner circle. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So put on the brakes, grab a cup of coffee, and join the conversation because it is time once again for Coffee Breaks with Steve. Financial etiquette. A few weeks ago, we had Analia Young on, and we talked about etiquette and manners and and that type of thing in general. This is different, and this this is something that I think you know. I mean that it's been worthy of a discussion for a long. Hang on, I gotta take do this. Okay, um, it's been worthy of discussion and conversation. I think for, uh, for always, but there are things that seem to come up more consistently now and because of controversies around some of these things because of technology because of social media and a variety of other things uh, it can be I think at times a little bit it can be sometimes awkward to talk about some of these things and so I wanted to address a few things and keep in mind and and uh, I'm going to put up the disclaimer right now that I'm not a professional or an expert when it comes to having these financial matters. And there's, you know, there's expertise out there, but it really, most of the stuff is a matter of personal choice and opinion, but there are some guidelines that we can follow that will help us to, I think, avoid missteps, avoid embarrassment, avoid awkwardness. And we're going to talk about several of them. And I'm going to be looking for, um, I'm going to be looking for your comments. I'm going to be looking for your opinions, and I'm going to be encouraging you to seek some of your own advice around this. And and just because I say something from my perspective doesn't mean it's law, right? There, these things are not about law or or rules, and that's why it's etiquette. They're guidelines. But we're going to talk about things in a certain order. But feel free to throw in your own what ifs or, or questions about anything. We'll be glad to discuss them here. First one I'm going to talk about, which I think has become one of the more controversial and problematic for some people in recent times is tipping, gratuities, tipping. There are a variety of places where tipping becomes something that we can consider. And the obvious one and the one that's been there for the longest time is sit down restaurants where you have a server or waiter or waitress and, and other staff members, the bus boy or bus girl, and there may be you know, bartenders and others who are providing food and beverage and delivering them to your table and coming to make sure that you're taken care of and, and doing all of those things. And how much should we tip? It's changed over the years. And I think I remember when I was young, and maybe first starting to venture out, maybe still with my parents and just watching what they did, it seemed like 10% was kind of the standard. And then it went to 15%. And now the guideline 
for a sit-down restaurant is 20 to 25% of the bill. And then there are questions that come up about if you are someplace where sales tax is applied, and many of us here are, not everyone. There are some, some states that do not have a, a sales tax. Oh, I just saw Tracy Whitney is on here. Hello, Tracy. Sorry to interrupt myself, but I didn't want to miss that. Um, do you apply the percentage of the tip before or after the tax amount is also added? You know, that's, again, that's a, a preference. I, most of the guidelines say, well, you do it before before tax. You're talking about the, the bill itself before the tax is added because you're paying for what the restaurant charged you, not what the state, county, or city, or whoever else is charging a, a sales tax put on there. Some people just look at total bottom line, with including the tax, and determine their tip there. There is a, has been something of a trend in some places for restaurants. And this happens, of course, if you have a very large party, a lot of restaurants will state that they're going to do this. But other places have started putting the tip, including the tip. Now, some will put a, a little guideline at the bottom with different percentages and what those dollar amounts are to give you some help so you don't have to pull out your calculator and do it. Some people just kind of calculate it in their head and round up or down. And um, there are restaurants now that have started including it, like they put the, the net total of all of the food and beverages, they add in either the tax or the gratuity first and the, or the other way around. And the grand total that you're looking at in your bill includes a gratuity of a certain percentage. What is your obligation there? There is no requirement in all the research I've done to pay any kind of gratuity, you are, you are within your rights to subtract that from the bill. Any place that I know of, if you know of different, if you know differently, please put it in the chat, but all the research I did indicated, no, you do not have to pay unless you have agreed by sort of verbal contract with a party of a certain size. When you knew that when you booked a large party at a restaurant, that a gratuity was built into the check. And that was part of your, in essence, your contract with them, then it's kind of expected that you would do it unless there was really poor service or some other reason why you would go back to the proprietor and say, sorry, I'm not going to include the gratuity that was included on here because it becomes between you and them. And I don't know what the legal obligations are there. Um, I've never been in that position where I've had to deny a gratuity for, that was included on the check for a large party, but I'd be curious to know your experiences. The, the other part of of gratuities in a sit-down restaurant is that back in the old days, that used to be sort of just extra. That was um, restaurant workers got an hourly wage or some other form of compensation and tips were icing on the cake. Well, now for a lot of people who work in the restaurants, the gratuity, the tips are a key component. They don't, they make a lot less, in some cases, barely minimum wage. And the gratuity becomes their way of not ending up in a poverty level. And because gratuity is an iffy thing, I and mean, they get paid X amount per hour, they know how many hours there are on their shifts. They know what that's going to look like. But man, the tips can be up and down. And restaurants, sit down restaurants aren't the only place now that we think about tips. There are a variety of other uh, situations. Coffee shops is another one where they often have a tip jar. They have, if you're paying by credit card or something, they, they will have on the little machine. Do you want to add a tip? Now, the basic guideline most of the time in coffee shops is a tip is not 
considered required, but it is considered good manners to maybe round up to the next dollar. I typically follow more of a, either a 10 to 15%. I tend to frequent the same coffee shops a lot. And I get to know the baristas, the staff working there, and I want to support them. And so I tend to either think about a percentage that is going to really let them know that I appreciate the service, or I'll just come up with a blanket dollar amount. And I will tend to go high. I will tend to tip on the higher side in terms of percentage or in terms of dollar amount to show my appreciation. And because I know they're working their tails off. You watch the speed in a lot of those coffee shops. They're on their feet and they're moving constantly in many cases. And not only when they're at the bar, but then they're back in the back room taking care of things or cleaning the bathrooms or doing other things. So I tend to tip higher in coffee shops, even though it's not considered uh, an obligation. I also had kids who worked for Starbucks. And, uh, and so I have an appreciation for that work. Uh, what about some of the others? What, what should you tip your hairstylist or manicurist or, or other beauty professionals? The guidelines say at about 15 to 20% to those tips. Uh, for taxi drivers or Uber drivers, 15 to 20%. If you are staying in a hotel, do you think about the fact that sometimes we don't think about tipping the doorman at a, at a hotel or anyone who's providing any kind of like luggage valet service? Or what about the staff that's coming in to clean your room? Now, a lot of hotels now, it's not a daily thing to clean the room unless you request it. Part of that is because their staffing is down. That stopped a lot during COVID. But um, if they are coming in to clean your room, to replace the towels, to freshen up, they say that it's appropriate to leave 2 to $5 per day for hotel housekeepers for each day that they actually come in and clean your room during the stay. Tipping about a dollar per coat, if, if you're in a situation where there's a coat check, you go to a, a special event or someplace else where, there, where you can check your coat, a dollar per coat tipped to the coat check person. Uh, for food delivery, lots of us now use things like DoorDash or Uber Eats or some other forms of delivery to bring food to our door. And they say that the typical there is 10 to 15 percent separate from whatever the delivery fee is, 10 to 15 percent of the bill. Now, I know that it's gotten a little bit controversial there, too, because of cost of gas and other things, the mileage. And these people are independent contractors in most cases that um, they're saying that if they're not seeing even for a relatively small order, at least a $10 tip, they won't take they won't take the delivery. And you can go argue both sides of that. But once again, if I'm choosing to use that service, I recognize it's costing me more to, to get that convenience than if I was just going to drive to wherever I was ordering food from and pick it up myself. I will tend to want to think about what is this person providing for me? And again, tip a little bit on the higher side than the lower side. Um, I, I will tend to make it a $10 tip just to make sure that I get <laughs> prompt delivery if that's what it's going to take. And sometimes if I'm ordering for, we got a lot of family in town, we all decided to order, it's going to be more than that. But I try to be generous with those types of things. Um, if you, if you go to a parking place, uh, either an event or a garage where your car is valet parked, you just take it to a certain spot and somebody parks it for you. They say 2 to $5 to a, a valet driver after your car is returned to you as a thank you for bringing it back to you in good shape. I'm curious, are, are there other situations that you can think of where maybe a tip or gratuity, if you've gone on cruises, ocean cruises, 
that's a part of the process. And there are any more, I think they build that in. I haven't cruised in a number of years, but it used to be that there were guidelines regarding how much to tip the, the servers at your table, uh, how much to tip the, the housekeepers who were coming in to clean your cabin and, and potentially other staff members, bartenders and others on the ship. If you've cruised or if you have traveled elsewhere, by the way, tipping is, is an entirely different thing culturally in some countries. There are countries where they tell you don't tip the servers. That's it's already included in the cost. And you travel to some places around the world and they will either say don't tip or they will talk about tipping. You know, guidelines for tipping are much different than they are in the United States. Um, what do you do? Okay, I just blanked out here. Okay, this is just my screens apparently. Um, what do you do if if you're in a situation where you've had really poor service and, and how do you manage that from a tipping perspective? I'm not going to give you advice on that. I'm curious as to whether anybody has their own situations or opinions where they've dealt with that. And as again, as well as other gratuity or tipping situations. I want to move past tipping and talk about some other things. What about going into a restaurant with a group and you're going to split the check? There are a couple of different ways that that can happen. There are times when you go in and, and people will say, why don't we just go 50-50? We'll just split it, you know, or we'll just split it equally between the parties. There are other times that you may say, well, we're going to, I want to, I'm going to pay exactly what my share was. And then the gratuity percentage of that portion. And the best thing that they say to do there is just discuss that ahead of time. You don't want to be at the end of the meal and the check comes and everybody says, oh, how are we handling this? That's when it can tend to get awkward. But just agree amongst yourself when you're making the arrangements or when you arrive, hey, you know, how are we splitting the check today? And then you have to be sensitive to things. And this kind of gets into everybody being sensitive to each other. What if you did decide that you were going to just split it 50-50, but one person or one party is ordering multiple drinks from the bar that's really kicking up their share? Or maybe you just philosophically don't want to be paying for alcohol and somebody else is ordering alcohol or, or other things of that nature. Once again, sometimes it's better to just be thinking about those things, particularly if you know the people you're with and know what the tendencies are. It's good to think about those things and discuss them ahead of time. Um, somebody, there are also times that somebody may just say that they're going to pick up the tab for everybody. You know, that just, again, that should be an agreement on everyone's part. And sometimes somebody will surprise you and just say, Hey, don't worry about it. I've got this today. That's a nice thing, but it can also become awkward. It can become uncomfortable for some people if the conversation isn't handled correctly, because someone, First of all, you don't ever want to assume that someone else is picking up the check, right? Just because we all went out to dinner with grandpa and we know that grandpa's got money, we're going to assume that grandpa's buying for everybody. Well, if that wasn't the invitation or the offer up front, don't assume that. Assume that you're paying for your meal. The other part of it is that there are situations and you got to be at least aware of the sensitivities of other people in your group, that if someone says, I'm picking up the check, does someone else construe that as, oh, what, you didn't think I could afford to pick up my own check? You didn't think that I could afford to pay for a meal? We're going to talk in a few minutes about what to do in situations where somebody suggests going out to dinner someplace and your finances, your budget may not cover that. How do you have that conversation with them without it being awkward for either party? We'll talk about some of those things uh, toward the end of our conversation here, but don't let me forget to come back to that. Um, 
And thank you. I see some questions and comments in here, and I hope you're all responding to each other as well. I'm going to have more time later on to go back and respond to some of these after the show. But uh, add your questions, add your own perspectives on these things. Group gifts. That can happen socially. It can happen in a family situation. It also happens quite frequently in work settings. You've been in a work setting. Somebody comes around and says, we're collecting at so-and-so's birthday or so-and-so is having a baby and we're collecting for a gift. And do you, will you kick in for the gift? First of all, whether you're the person organizing and asking or you're one of the people in the office, you have to understand that's a very voluntary thing for any number of reasons. And it should still be handled graciously on both sides. And it should be presented in such a way that it doesn't put somebody on the spot right at that moment. That can be really awkward and unfair too for any number of reasons that we can all think of. But stop and think about this. You go to work to earn money, not to pay money. There already may be things that that are agreements there. I've worked in offices where everybody agrees to pitch in for coffee, for the coffee maker. That can also be sort of like the gift. What if somebody says, I don't drink coffee. I don't use the coffee maker. Why should I pitch in? Other times it's based on it. Every time you, you know, for those who use it, you're asked to voluntarily kick in X amount per month or something like that. But those situations, any if you've worked in any office, you know that whenever those things come up, if they're not presented in a way that really seems equitable and even very voluntary, it can become very awkward. And so how do we handle those as well? Again, should be approached and responded to graciously with the recognition that there's never an obligation unless it was part of your hiring agreement that you put in so much per week or so much per month for something and you agreed to that up front. Um, yeah, same type of thing with a group trip. Sometimes you're planning a trip with family or friends and all the details and who's paying for what and how much it's going to cost should be discussed ahead of time. We have families, we have a family trip uh, with some members of our family. Carol and I are taking a trip later this year that a couple of other family members are likely to join us on. And so we worked out kind of what do we think is the cost per couple and how much they're expected to pay. Now we've gone on trips with family members where we have said, it's going to cost this much overall, but we're covering this amount of it because there are certain things that the economies of scale, we would be paying for certain things, whether there's two of us going or four of us going, or whether there's four of us going or eight of us going, certain things that are, that are going to be a group cost. And we are agreeing to cover that. And that's our offer up front. And if the other parties come back and say, you know what, we'd be more comfortable just paying our share of that. Okay, but we like to make the offer without ever forcing it down someone's throat. And again, not approaching it like we know that you can't afford this. So we're just going to cover it. I mean, how patronizing would that be? If you have, you can be honest with each other in private conversation. Again, if you're planning a group trip and there's other members of the group, family or friends or whatever, and there are issues that come up regarding the distribution of costs, it might be best to have some of those conversations privately, unless it's something that the entire group is discussing has been presented to the entire group. Some of this is just common sense, right? But we have to sometimes think about thinking before we talk, thinking before we act, so we consider other people. And that's what financial etiquette is really about, is you're, not you're considering your own perspective, but you're also recognizing that other people are involved in this as well. So um, group trips, how about 
if you approach a skilled friend and ask them to do work for you, you know, we've known carpenters or plumbers or electricians, family members who are just good as a, as a handyman or handywoman, and we've asked if they would come in and do something. Do you say, well, since they're a friend, I don't have to pay them or I'm going to pay them. I'm going to pay them less. Uh, what ran into this as well, not just with family situations, household situations, but when I worked in the nonprofit world, there was sometimes a mistaken notion among nonprofits that, well, people should just donate their work to us. You got to you got to be prepared to still pay professionals for their work because they have to earn a living. If they if they volunteer to donate time or donate materials, that's their choice. You know, same thing in a family. If somebody says, you know what, I have this extra wood laying around anyway. Don't worry about paying me for the wood or don't worry about paying me for my time. I'll, I'll you know, I'll let you know how much the materials cost. Those conversations, again, should take place up front and it shouldn't have to be. You should assume, again, family member, friend, other professional in another setting, go into it assuming that you're going to pay them the fair amount for the work that they're doing and the materials they're providing. And if you're not sure what that is, you approach it by starting to say, let me know. Can you let me know how much it would cost for you to do this for me so that I can make sure that I'm budgeting for it and can pay you? And if you do agree to pay somebody something, at whatever point, whether you said you'd pay them up front or cover the cost of the materials before they were ordered, or whether when the work was finished, and that should be communicated as well, don't make them come after you and say, um, you never paid me. Boy, nothing more awkward for either party than those types of conversations. Be, be prompt about paying. Same thing if, if you're splitting a bill and somebody, this could happen in a restaurant too, by the way. Somebody says, you know what, I'm just going to put it on my card. And if you've got cash, you can give me your share in cash or you can Venmo it to me or PayPal it to me. Do that immediately. Do it immediately. They're just now taking on the burden of this entire expense. Don't make them sit on that entire expense. Pay it as promptly as you can. If there's going to be a delay, let the, pull them aside and let them know that I need to get to my bank tomorrow and deposit my check. Can I pay you tomorrow? Can I pay you back tomorrow? Um, those types of things. How about conversations about money, discussing money? First of all, there's certain questions that either shouldn't be asked or you need to be really careful about how you ask. Asking somebody else how much they make in, in, in their job. What is, uh, how, what is your salary? That's, that's, a, that's a very touchy question. Now, I mean, kids will ask their parents sometimes, and that's a good opportunity, teachable moment for parents to say, well, you know, that's typically not a question we ask people. Um, and there are ways to answer that, whether you're responding to your kids or responding. If somebody does come to you awkwardly and ask that, some people just don't have the etiquette or social graces. And then you say, well, how much do you make? You can say, you know, I, there are ways to answer and say, I really, I'm compensated appropriately for the work that I do. And if they come back and say, well, how much? They say, well, it's just not, I don't usually discuss the number, but I am making a fair wage. And you can, you can find ways to be gracious and polite about responding rather than saying, well, that's a stupid question. Well, that's an, that's, you don't ask that question. We can avoid awkwardness sometimes by just being gracious in response to questions or comments that themselves may not have been that gracious. Um, similar, you know, when somebody says, well, how much did that cost? You know, wow, look at that nice TV. How much was that? That may not seem like an as awkward a question as how much do you make in your job, but it can still be. Um, having conversations, what about lending money, borrowing money? Once again, those are things you need to consider 
the ramifications of before you agree to do it. And I've seen some some articles said it might even be better to agree to cosign alone. Uh, I've run into situations where that can be iffy. The, the best recommendation I can give, I mean, there are some situations where you know you can trust the person, it's a short-term loan, or there's some other situation that you know you're kind of fronting them funds for something and you know you can trust them. First of all, if you're the one who received those, once again, let's discuss everything up front. If necessary, and you could get into a whole side conversation about this, have some kind of an agreement that you sign between you and just make it something that you do as a standard thing. If it becomes awkward because you've asked somebody to do that, you know, agree to how how they're going to pay you back and that type of thing, then maybe that that transaction shouldn't take place. The bottom line when I do that is I'd much rather gift it to somebody if if I know there's a need and I don't want to get into the whole I'm lending the money now they have to pay me back. If unless it is some exorbitant amount or it's for something specific, if it's just that I know it's helping them cover a need, I'd rather just make it a gift or be prepared if they're struggling to pay it back and they come back to me and say, I, I intended to pay you back right away, but it's taking longer. Either say, that's no problem or just be prepared in your mind to write it off and don't hold it over their head. We've got to learn to be, to understand when, how we're stepping forward on things. Once again, I'm sharing my opinion here and I'm open to yours. Um, Donations, either asking for donations or giving donations, kind of like the office gift thing. You get approached for donations in various ways. I worked in nonprofit for over 20 years. And one of the good rules of thumb, if you're asking somebody else to donate to a cause, you should already be upfront donating yourself. Even when I worked for organizations where I was the professional fundraiser, ethically, I didn't feel, it might not have been required by my organization, but ethically, I didn't feel I could go out and ask a donor to give. I didn't feel I could go out and make a presentation to a corporation for sponsorship if I wasn't giving. And so if you're not willing to give, why would you ask someone else to do it? Why would they agree to do it? And if you're asked to donate and it's not a cause you believe in, there are ways to, and that can be anything as simple as somebody says, hey, my kid's doing some kind of, you know, whether it's a, a, a civic event or they're in scouting or they're in softball or whatever, and we're taking up donations. If you want to help, it's a voluntary thing. And there should never be a sense of obligation. And if you don't want to, you can say, oh, thank you for offering. It's just not something I'm able to do right now, but, you know, maybe I'll be able to in the future. Or if you know it's not a cause you believe in, just say, you know, I wish you the very best with what you're doing, but it's not my thing. I used to get that from potential donors when I was doing professional fundraising. I'd go out, I'd be trying to, to cultivate someone to give a gift, sometimes a huge gift, and then find out through that process, hopefully before the ask was made, that it wasn't their thing. You need to be gracious about that. Okay, listen, I spouted off a lot of stuff. It kind of felt good. This is the first time, you realize this is the first time in weeks. This is the first time since beginning of January that Coffee Breaks has not included a guest on here. It's just me rambling for a half hour, kind of like the old days. Well, that's not going to be continuing every week. We do have some weeks coming up where um, I'm the only one on here. But we have a number of guests scheduled for the next few weeks. I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. Continue to include your comments on here. You can go back. You know that you can continue to chat and 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 say things in this chat. And I'm going to be putting some stuff on the roundtable. If you're not already on the roundtable, 
you can um, get on there and, and we're going to have some more conversation about this because I think it's one of those things that's ongoing. There are a lot of opinions. There are a lot of ways to look at it. I do want to let you know what's coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Next week, the accidental comic, Leanne Jashaway, uh, who is a stress management humor expert. She's a comedy writer. She's done stand-up comedy. And uh, she is going to be here to talk about the importance of humor. Laughter's good for us physically and emotionally. Humor in our lives, appropriate humor, is a good thing. But you're going to get a kick out of Leanne. She is, I, I think you can tell even from the picture, she is not going to approach this too seriously. So you'll want to be here next week. And then in two weeks, we have an author and an expert on leadership, Patrick Jinks, who's going to be joining us. This guy is brilliant. And uh, we're going to be talking about leadership for everybody. We all have roles of leadership at different times and in different settings in our lives. And so Patrick's going to help us sort of unpack that a little bit and think about where we're leaders, whether we have a title or not, and how we exercise that leadership appropriately and, and in a way where we're bringing others along with us. And then in three weeks, we have another author coming to join us. And this is kind of uh, timely because we're into Earth Week right now. But uh, Eve O. Schaub, who wrote a couple, he's written a couple of books in the past, The Year of No Culture, or no, Year of No Culture, wow, do I need coffee. Year of No Clutter and The Year of No Sugar um, is going to be here to talk about a book that just came out this week. It's just now available on, on Amazon called Year of No Garbage. It's an experiment she did with her family where they said, we're going to try to get through an entire year without creating any waste. And what they learned along the way, they ended up going into this and COVID happened. And she writes about what they learned about their own habits, but also things that she learned about waste disposal and even some of our misconceptions about when we recycle, what happens to that recycling? She learned some things scientifically and realistically that... Um, that were a little bit revealing. So you're gonna to want to be here for that. Also just wanna remind you that we are on podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. They're not live, but you can go in after the fact on any of those sites, look for Coffee Breaks with Steve on any of those sites and you'll find our past episodes. And we're also on YouTube. Some of you watch it live on YouTube, but the recorded versions of this, just like you're seeing now, are also on YouTube. And we've got some things that are going to be coming up in a few months that I'm going to be announcing. But I would just really encourage you, even if you typically watch Coffee Breaks on Facebook, to go to our YouTube site, which is youtube.com and it's cbws coffee breaks with steve if you search for coffee breaks with steve you'll find it and please subscribe because that'll make us more noticeable to other people and as we get more subscribers we pop to the top a little bit more and uh, and if you do feel like going out there and watching things we're going to be adding some things to the youtube site as well so just again a thank you for taking the time to do that. And wow, am I going to need more coffee when I'm finished here? Hey, thank you for tuning in today. We are out of time and I don't want to keep you any longer. I want to give you an opportunity to get out there and enjoy Earth Day. And my family, I want to give us time to get ready for this uh, wedding shower that we are hosting here today. So until I see you next week, I just want to remind you whether it's Earth Day activities or whatever you may be doing, find a way to make a difference in your world this week. God bless you. Have a great week.